0: I'm glad no one broke their heads open on this thing tonight. That was uh, quite a competition that we had. That was pretty exciting. Hey, before we get started, we need to apologize to Greg and the dance team there because we had the best intentions. We just want you to know that, okay? We went on a great tour of the property with uh, Jason and uh, Tiffany and, my gosh, everywhere we went, you just saw ministry happening everywhere. Mm -hmm. And we got back a little tired, and the nap monster just grabbed us. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Private okay, lesson good. later. I like that. Yeah. So, yeah. So we do either the cha-cha, the waltz, whatever. But I hope those of you did it uh, had a great time because we're doing some of that at, at back in Oregon and it's fun just to get some time dancing with each other. Yeah. Well, we want to keep thinking about our idea of unity. And, you know, we've been talking a little about the big idea the first night was that uh, God's designed us to, to be unified. Talked a little bit this morning about how we need to protect that unity. And the thing we want to talk about tonight is how do we practice that unity? What does that look like on a day-to-day basis where we practice each other? And you know, it's interesting. Janet and I have uh, learned a lot about this because we've made a lot of mistakes along the way. Matter of fact, I'm curious. Have you ever had a a a fight, an argument, an intense fellowship, however you want to talk about it, (laughs) over something that was kind of silly? Have you ever had something like that? You know what? Never. (laughs) I like that. All right. Not Not you. (laughs) Good. But your neighbors have. So listen for your neighbors tonight. This will be for your neighbors won't be for you, or your kids might need this someday. Um, but what was really interesting is that for us, we got into a fight over something as simple as a button. Yeah. A button.
1: And the fight lasted a long time.
0: A long time. And it, we'd
1: it, bring it, we'd talk about it years later. Yes. Because it never got really resolved.
0: And so <laughs> the idea was we had, we had gotten married in August, and uh, so moving into this fall, It was just a little beautiful night in Portland, and in Portland, we have late summers. They're just gorgeous. And so we were going to go out somewhere, and I was going to wear a short sleeve shirt like this, kind of a collared shirt. So I decided I want to do something a little different, you know. I'm going to dress a little bit, you know, I've seen some guys do this, want to be a little fancy. So I buttoned this top button like this, got the hair ready, and I come walking out to hear,
1: Would you mind not buttoning the top button?
0: And I, yeah, go ahead.
1: No, yeah, I was just like, please don't.
0: And so I'm like, I'm keeping this button buttoned. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what you're thinking about, but I'm keeping the button.
1: Yeah, I'm like, you look like a little boy. And I don't want to go out with a little boy tonight.
0: And I'm like, who are you calling a little boy, girl? Yeah. So my friends have been doing this, and artists
1: do this, and Tiger Woods does this. Yeah, yeah. You're not Tiger Woods. Right. <laughs> you. I, I,
0: I think the comment at that, th- that time was, well, when you start making money like Tiger Woods, <laughs> you can dress however you want to dress. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but I was like, it's a stupid button. Like, can you not just honor me and unbutton that one button? Right?
0: And I was thinking, it's just a stupid button. Can you not just honor me mm-hmm. that I want to wear my shirt mm-hmm. this way because mm-hmm. I think it looks mm-hmm. cool tonight? And guys, that took a long time for us to really see eye to eye on.
1: What do you think happened? Did he have it buttoned or not? He had yeah. it buttoned.
0: I kept it. <laughs> I was a jerk. Yeah.
1: Oh. All right.
0: Yeah, not my better moment there. As a husband, you know, it was like the first few months. So I'm like, oh, we're in this button, you know. And uh, yeah, but that's the thing is when we're in those moments when that happens, how unified are we? We're not really unified mm-hmm. at all. Matter of fact, that's where Satan really starts to work even more and more. Look how different you are. Listen how they don't listen to each other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the things we want to figure out, how is it that we communicate in such a way that we practice unity? But the, the thing we've got to remember as we get started here is that, you know, we had this little spat. We have this little argument. We had this fight. We want you to turn to a couple near you and say, we fight too. Would you do that? Turn to a couple near you and say, We fight too. <laughs> Okay, there you go.
1: What did, what did they do? Yeah.
0: <laughs> Isn't it nice to know that you're not the only losers in this room, okay? <laughs> we are all fallen human beings. We all have issues. We all have problems. That's what happens. The thing is, our unity, though, is going to be strengthened when we practice good communication. And I emphasize the word practice. Because I don't know about you, but there's some things I just don't like to practice because practice is hard work. We want to gloat a little bit on our daughter, Sydney. This is her. She's the basketball player for Davis. The redhead. The The redhead. The one with the Davis uniform.
1: Yes. And what's so
0: interesting is that Sydney has practiced some things just relentlessly. When she's home for Christmas break, she wants me to rebound for her. She's putting up 500 to 1,000 shots every day that she's home for Christmas break. When she's home for the summer, we'll do stuff like that. What happens when they get together as a team during the season, they're practicing at least three hours a day. They're doing weights in the morning, and then they're, they're practicing. And the thing that they're having to figure out as a team is that each person has an assigned role, and you've got to learn your role. Because if you don't learn your role, you're not going to help the team. You've got to learn how to help each other, bless each other, be there for each other. But that only happens by doing this over and over again and over and practicing that. And the same thing is true for us with communication. You know, I I mentioned this morning, the the joke, the idea, wouldn't it be great if emotional connection came in an aerosol? Well, it doesn't come in an aerosol. (laughs) But the thing is, we can actually have emotional connection with each other as we learn to do this work and understand more about what's involved. So the things that we want to start off talking about, first of all, when we think about deepening our emotional connection with each other, what does that mean? What is the goal of communication that we have to think about? And the big idea of the goal is that feeling closer with our spouse is the goal of communication. You want to feel connected to your spouse. You want to feel on the same page with your spouse. You want to be connected this way. That's when we start to feel unity, right? It's when we're not connected to each other, boom, we feel separated. And so the goal that we want, even somehow in conflict, and we'll talk a little bit more as we go through here, is we want to learn how to be connected even though we work through our differences, even though we work through our challenges and problems. How do we stay connected to each other? Because that's the goal. That's what we desire. And the big thing that we'll see is that the better we understand each other, the closer we're going to get. And the closer we get, the more intimacy we're going to have between us as a husband and wife. And guys, this is the reason why we got married. We wanted to be close to somebody. And it's also the same reason why people have difficulties in their marriages and actually have a hard time because they fall in love with someone else. Why? Because they felt understood by another person. So that's why it's important for us to remember. That's the goal is we want to get close to each other. Well, there's five levels of closeness that we want to look at um, just as we think about this idea of closeness. And basically, boy, I didn't realize how small these were. I hope you can read them a little bit. I thought they were big, so you might have to bring out your bifocals to see them. But the first level of closeness is really called cliché. And what that says is non-sharing. There's really no closeness involved. It's just a cliche kind of thing. It's like, hey, how you doing? How's the weather? You know, like if you get on an elevator and you see somebody and you say, hey, how you doing? You expect them to say, fine, how you doing? You know, if you walk onto an elevator and you say, how you doing? And the other person goes, man, I'm having a really hard day today. (laughs) It's just, it's a heavy day. Can I get a stranger hug, please? Just bring it in, stranger hug, right? Who wants to wait for the next elevator, right? (laughs) You don't want that because cliche is non-sharing. It's nothing. The second level is this idea of fact, where we're just sharing what we know. We're just kind of giving the details. There's nothing vulnerable going on. There's no real connection going on. It's just sharing the facts. Like, hey, Danny's got a game on this Saturday. We got a plan for that. Uh, We got small group on next Tuesday. We got a plan for that. Uh, I totaled the car. You know, just basic facts (laughs) that we share with each other that don't always have a lot of uh, emotion to them. But now we start to get a little deeper where we the idea of of opinion, where we share what we think, and this becomes a little more vulnerable Mm -hmm. because what if our spouse doesn't like our opinion? What are we gonna do with that? How are we gonna hold on to that? What if we don't like their opinion? Did anybody watch the TV series Lost when it was on television, not streaming? Did anybody watch it while it was on TV? Okay, so we're not the only ones that lost five years of our lives too, huh? (laughs) Man, it just seemed to me like they were writing this thing about a day before they filmed it, right? It was just like, it was all over the map. And we got into this fight over one of the characters. You remember the guy named John Locke? John Locke was the guy who knew how to use the knife. He knew how to kill the food. He knew how to supply everything for everybody. And I just liked this guy. I thought, dude, this guy's doing the work.
1: And I did not like him. I felt like he was the devil. Which, he was He the was devil. the devil, yes.
0: <laughs> but we would get in <laughs> arguments over John Locke because we had these different opinions. Yes. There's something deeper that was going on that made sharing opinions even harder for us. There's two other levels. Yeah,
1: yeah but what's interesting is that 85% of our communication in marriage just stays on those top three hmm. levels. Hmm. We don't go below that. And below that, levels four and five is where true transparency and intimacy and connection happen. So let's look at it. Level four is emotion where you're sharing what you feel. How how are you feeling about things? Are you you know, we always tease with our kids like, okay, there's five set emotions, mad, sad, glad, and a frat. Okay, four. And then scared, right? Yeah. yeah, so we yeah. should like those. Like at least think about those. And then there's the whole idea of transparency. Transparency, sharing who you are. Like I am a failure. Hmm. I keep working at the same thing over and over again, but I'm a failure at it. Hmm. Like it's going to that level. And as you can see, like as you keep going down the levels, it hmm. just gets riskier and riskier. Hmm. You share with less and less people. And and in marriage, there's different reasons why you don't go there. I mean, one is you get really busy. Kids come along. Life gets busy. But I think a really big reason is is that you have gone there and you've gotten hurt. Hmm. And you're like, I don't want to go down to that level again.
0: But transparency is kind of that place we would like to get to at times where we can share who we really are. And know that we're not going to get condemned and judged about that. I used to do this thing called comedy sports in Portland. It was improv comedy. And I was hanging out with people that could have been on Saturday Night Live. They were just amazing. And I would go, and each week I'd just go, I'm not good at this. I can't do all this stuff. So be able to process with Janet the fact that I feel like a failure, I don't feel like I have what it takes, but to have her really listen to me and care about me is the kind of thing that we all want in our marriages. But like Janet said... Most of us stay on those top three levels. It's interesting that the scriptures encourage us to go after this idea of closeness with each other. Uh, I want to show you a few verses if we can read them, my microscopic <laughs> um, point size here. Excuse me. That's making me laugh because it's... I think they Oh, it's read okay, it. good. You I can see it. Scared. I'm looking at a monitor in the back. <laughs> wow. And I'm wearing glasses. You know, it's interesting. Is there, these are called the one another verses. I'm not sure if you're familiar with those in the New Testament. But over 50 times in the New Testament, the phrase "one another" is used." And the concept that's being portrayed is the idea that you guys have a community, you have a relationship with each other, and you need to treat each other a certain way. And it's a reciprocal thing. It's not like you just do something for somebody and they don't have to do it back. You treat one another a certain way. And do you know that if you're a Christian, before you're a husband and wife, you know who you are? Brother and sister. And God wants us to look at each other as brothers and sisters and say, how is it that I can help you become the person God made you to be? And look at some of these verses. Ephesians 4, 1 through 3. Therefore, I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Do you see the effort that's involved there? Paul's saying we both have to contribute to this. For what? For the unity, for the bond of peace. Mm-hmm. It's both parties' responsibility to make sure that this happens. Romans 12, 6, he's 16, he says, be of the same mind towards one another. Now, I don't think he's saying that you have to see everything eye to eye and you have to agree on everything. But he's saying being of the same mind towards one another. In other words, how do you view each other? Do you see each other as brother and sister in Christ? Do you view each other as equals? Do you view each other as the image of God? You know, what's interesting is the image of God, every single one of us wants our thoughts and desires to be understood, not criticized. As the image of God, every one of us wants our feelings, our emotions to be acknowledged, not dismissed. And are you viewing each other that way? Are you giving preference to each other? Are you treating other people the way you want to be treated? And this is what he's talking about. This is what this unity looks like. And it comes out in how we talk to each other. And lastly, in 1 Corinthians um, 1.10, he says, Agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you, per- that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. Now that sounds like, wait a minute, that's, how, what does that mean? Is that like the, the, the mind meld that Spock used to do on Star Trek, you know? I think it's the same idea. It's that you don't have the same opinion about everything, but you know how to listen to each other. You know how to understand exactly what they're saying, what they're thinking, what they're feeling, and why. Now, you might see it differently, but as you work through this attitude towards each other, you're going to come to have the same mindset of how do we resolve this well. It's not that someone wins and someone loses, Mm -hmm. but we have that same mindset. And that's the core that's involved with the work we have to do, that if we want to have this unity, it's going to require this kind of work. It's going to require this mindset and perspective of each other.
1: I mean, and and if you think about it, in any team, which we are Mm. a team, you have to have the same mindset. You have to have the same end goal. And so it it, it isn't about one winning and one losing but it is about what is it? what does the team need? What Mm does preservation of the team look like?
0: Yeah, and it's this idea, this basic bottom line idea as the image of God is that we respect each other as the image of Mm -hmm. God, you know? And we don't have this attitude, hey, you know, you don't respect me, I'm not going to respect you. You know, you hurt me, I'm going to hurt you back. That's what happens. We kind of get this gangster attitude. And God says, no, bring it up. Treat each other with the same mindset towards one another. Well, the thing is, when we feel safe to share who we are, what often happens is we have a better chance of getting close to each other and getting that sense of unity. But why is it that we don't feel safe? Why is it that we don't get there with each other or struggle to stay there with each other?
1: Well, there's, there are a lot of hindrances that come into communication. And one of the major ones is, what did you grow up with? Hmm. What did you see your parents doing? You know, were your parents stuffers? Hmm. My mom was a stuffer. My dad was a shouter. There's interrupters, ramblers, arguers. Like what, what you saw when you're under stress is what you're gonna default to naturally. And so you're gonna model after one of your parents.
0: Yeah, the thing for me is my dad was a stuffer too, so much stuffer. The other thing my dad would do is he'd stuff and then blow up. Every once in a while, if we didn't get the kitchen done on a certain time, he'd walk down and hit us with the belt. We got that as kids. And what was unique about my dad is he was trying to calm himself down so as he's, he's walking through the hallway with the belt about ready to give it to us, he would be like humming, not in a sadistic way, but he's trying to calm himself down. So I grew up in this weird environment where here's a nice song, but I'm going to get hit. <laughs> and we bring this into our marriage.
1: Well, and it's interesting because there's times that Ben and I will have conflict and you'll be humming and mm-hmm. I'm like, oh. I'm not going to hit you. It's not, <laughs> no, 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 no. I know that, but I know that you're under stress. I'm
0: under, I'm uncomfortable. Yeah, with, yeah,
1: right. Well, and there's just the, there's the context of pre- previous hurtful conversations that you haven't resolved. And mm-hmm. you're like, we weren't successful before. Why, why should we go here again? It's just going to hurt. I mm-hmm. know how this is going to turn out. And just having poor communication skills in general. And that's what we want to talk about. It's a skill. And any skill can be learned but it takes practice. And we just kind of think, okay, before marriage, like we are just chatting till three in the morning. What got hard? Hmm. Well, real life got hard, and the rose-colored glasses came off. And so now we have to practice this skill that is really challenging.
0: Yeah, this is also the, the, the reason for us. We, we kind of got stuck, guys.
1: Yeah, true. We got true. stuck,
0: because we get so defensive with each other. We're, we're going around the country doing marriage conferences. So we said, we got to figure this out. So we got into counseling because we just kept getting defensive. We just couldn't get past certain things. We spent close to five years in counseling. And you know what the issue was? Is that we didn't know how to communicate with each other. I would get so defensive, Janet would get hurt, and it took a while for us to learn better skills. Because even though we were kind of hovering on those first three levels, we weren't getting to these lower levels. Because there's these hindrances that made it hard for us to truly connect with each other. And for us, it took a professional to help us say, hey, let's slow this thing down. Ben, I didn't really hear her say that. Let's, let's keep working through this. So there's real hindrances, there's things that we have to address and kind of figure out how to do that. Well, we wanna do a little exercise and see how this works. You should've gotten one, uh, a sheet per couple. If you've gotten this, what I want you to do is I want you to fold it in half with the, the words on the, the front. So the fold is on the right side and you'll be looking at side A, okay? This is a conversation between a parent and a child we designed it that way because if we made it between spouses, it might trigger too many things for you. So, but what we want to do is we want you to read this as a couple. One of you choose to be the child. One of you choose to be the parent. You don't have to act like the child. Just, just read the line. okay? But if you want to practice your acting chops, go ahead. Yeah. But one is the child. One is the parent. And just read this back and forth. And as you're reading, just kind of say, how is this going? Okay? Take a moment and read that out loud to each other. This is yours. All right. How did that go? Got through that? Did anybody think that just went a little rocky? Yeah? It's a little confusing because some of it's like, hey, there's nothing wrong. I would have said all those things, right? Matter of fact, this is between a parent and an athlete. Hmm. wonder where that (laughs) kind of might have come from. But the thing is, we can listen in a way that doesn't really create unity. And you know what we talked about earlier, that on our daughter's team, they have assigned roles. And when it comes to communicating with your spouse, when it comes to practicing unity, somebody's going to be the speaker and someone's going to be the listener. And we tr- switch. But that's the thing. We've got to understand that a speaker has a certain role and a listener has a certain role. And what we want to do is we just kind of want to hit on some of the ways that we have poor choices, make poor choices in communicating. You might have seen this in what you saw. Uh, oops. Oh. Oh. I guess that's not in there.
1: Okay. All
0: right. All right. Well, that's right, we'll just list them. Yeah,
1: so. There's just a, I I wanna run through a list quickly with you as far as like, if you wanna make sure that as your spouse is sharing, and you're, you know, you're listening to them, that you're not gonna to get to that level four and five where there's more intimacy. Here's the, some of the things that, that if you do these things, it will hurt your ability to connect. First one is to multitask and to be, to be doing a bunch of other things while you're supposedly listening. Minimizing or judging emotions, criticizing thoughts and desires, getting defensive, interrupting, trying to fix. Oh, there it is, it came up. So all of those things, which I totally do, <laughs> can affect your ability to go deeper. Because the person who's speaking is going to not feel like you're really trying to understand them at all.
0: Yeah. Like it says, as the speaker, I don't feel safe when the listener does these kinds of things. Remember what we talked about earlier? We don't get to those levels because we don't feel safe. And how, why, why do we not feel safe? In the example you just read, it didn't go very well because the kid kind of felt a little pummeled. So that's the thing that we got to be aware of when we're the speaker. This is the kind of stuff that shuts us down. What about when we are the listener? Um, I think we may have that, yeah. So as the listener, here's some things that kind of make us feel safe when the speaker says the things. Like Not feel safe. Yeah, not feel safe. <laughs> so w- when they yell at us, we don't feel safe about that. When they call us names, right? We don't feel safe to keep going. We don't feel love When they say always or never, that just kind of takes all the onus uh, off of them. When they threaten us, when they uh, make it all of our fault. See, as we are listening to somebody and someone's coming back with all this, It makes me say, I'm done, right? Mm -hmm. I don't want to keep going in this direction. And it's these are the kinds of things that cause these hindrances that bust up our unity, unity, that keeps us far away from each other. And it's the kind of stuff that Satan just smiles at because this is not the same kind of mindset. This is not listening to each other and talking to each other with respect. So these are some things that kind of mess us up. So the last thing we want to kind of look at a little bit is this idea, what are some skills then that we need to be considering one of the verses that we have that uh, came about is, if you look at this, in James chapter 1, verse 19, it says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And he makes it really clear for us. Look at that. Take note. Be quick to listen. Be slow to speak. He's giving us our cues right here. We want to unpack that a little bit more on what does it look like as listeners and then speakers. So here we go.
1: Okay. So the first thing that we need to know is li- listening is a hard skill. A- actually, there was a survey done as far as asking people, do you think you're a good listener? 96% of the people said, yeah, I'm a good listener. And yet what was also found out is immediately after the, person, the other person s- stopped talking, the listener forgot 50% of what was communicated. Wow. So we have this elevated view of ourselves as far as our ability to listen well versus the actual skill to do it. So there's a huge disconnect. And they also found that the number one key factor in being a good listener is humility. That makes someone a good listener. So first one, as a listener, be attentive, give focused attention, put away distractions. Again, multitasking is not going to work. But eye contact, they also found that if you make eye contact with someone, there are bonding hormones that are released just in that exercise Hmm. of making eye contact with someone. Um, The other thing they have found is just even having your phone around Hmm. totally affects how the other person feels that they're being listened to. Another one is avoid fixing. Avoid trying to fix the problem or the person. It feels like a shortcut, doesn't it? And honestly, like, when I jump into that, when I jump into minimizing or trying to fix Ben or interrupting with the solution, I, it is my way of saying, I'm, I'm just done listening, okay? Like, I know the end of the story here. Let me just finish it. And again, that is just hurtful. So, so avoid fixing. Be empathetic. Try to feel what they're feeling. One of the key things in that, I mean, we all know that empathy is trying to put ourselves in their shoes. And one of the key things you can do in that realm is just watch their nonverbals. What are they doing? How, what are their arms like? What, what are, are they sighing a lot? I mean, what is going on physiologically? And, and ask, is this what you're feeling? Ask if you're accurate about that. Avoid defensiveness, suspend judgment, don't defend yourself. Um, you know, I think the thing that has worked for me when I'm starting to feel defensive, first of all, I need to recognize okay, my heart's starting to beat. Mm. I'm like, I am very much thinking ahead of how to defend myself, and he's wrong here and here <laughs> and here. Just help me remember those points, God, when it's time for me to talk. (laughs) So honestly, like one of the things that I've done when I'm like getting in that zone where I am not listening, I'll just say, you know what? I am not in a good place to listen. This conversation is really not going to go anywhere. So let's take a time out. I know the ball's in my court. I will re-engage us, but... um, I'm not, I'm not in a good place. And so I think it's, it's good to push in and ask, why am I so defensive to mm. just listen? Mm. Um, summarize what you're hearing with questions. Uh, questions like, are you, are you telling me that blank? Mm. You know, like, what, I, this is what I hear you saying. Can you tell me more about what you meant when you said blank? Do you feel like I understand you? And we have found that when we ask that question like, do you feel like I understand you? And if the other person says actually no, then we are not done listening. We need to keep doing more and more work. One of our speakers says that our spouses become vulnerable to anyone who will listen well. And another author said, and I think this is why, it's because we underestimate how erotic it is to be understood.
0: What was that? Say that again? (laughs)
1: Yeah. It's worth practicing listening. Well, you know, it's
0: (laughs) that the the clarifying questions you mentioned. This was so helpful for me to start learning. How do I summarize what Janet is saying? I mean, when we were trying to remodel our basement, uh, we had three (laughs) kids under four, and I'm working all week, and they come home for the weekend, and, you know, I'm trying to work on the basement, and we would just have fights because, look, we're going to get this thing done, but how are we going to do it? She's like, well, I'm with the kids all week. So we had a hard time negotiating what we're going to do. And it was so good for me to kind of think through these questions. It's like, okay, what are you you telling me? What's going on here? It's like, slow down, Ben. Slow down and understand what's happening. Don't just immediately switch to guns, right? She says, I need a break. And I'm like, okay, what do you mean by a break? Because I'm thinking, look, um, put a Winnie the Pooh video in there. uh, You take your shower for the week. You got 30 (laughs) minutes. There's a break, right? I mean, what what am I missing, right? She goes, no, 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 no. Let me define what a break is. So tell me, yes, what do you mean by a break? What I mean is I need four hours without having any responsibility with the kids to do anything I want and you are in charge. And a crisp $100 bill would be great too. You throw that in there, (laughs) that'd be great. But then I kind of said, honey, what is the most important thing you want me to understand? Because I had to do the work to understand my wife. She says, if I don't get a break from the kids, I'm gonna lose it. And man, that just helped me because I listened and leaned in and did the kind of listening that I needed to do. And so clarifying that kind of stuff is helpful. Hey, we wanna go back to our example. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Mm -hmm. you do side B. This is the answer side. This is the right side. But we want you to do side B now. And what do you notice about the difference between side A and side B? So switch, if you were the parent before, become the child, whatever. But just take a moment and read this to each other out loud and see what you hear. close So more All right, did you sense the difference there? Did you sense a little bit more that there's leaning in? That there's a little more compassion. I think, Janet, you mentioned this last night. Why is it easier for us sometimes to listen to a neighbor, a stranger, even our kids than to listen to our spouse? (laughs) Yes. The thing is, what's interesting is it's easier to see them as the image of God who has feelings, who has hurts, who has thoughts, who has desires. And that's what we're trying to bring out. Is that if we see each other as the image of God, as we try to respect them, we may not fully agree and fully understand, but we want to do the work of being a good listener. As you look at this list of five things, what is one thing that you think you could work on a little better? Is it being attentive? Is it avoid fixing, being empathetic, avoiding defensiveness, summarizing? Where do you need to work? Just find one. What is one thing on that list? Well, it's not only good listening that we need to be about, but the second thing that we need to do is we need to think about as a speaker, how is it that I can speak in a way that makes it easier for my spouse to listen? Do you see the emphasis there? Is that I want to share with you what's going on, but I want to do it in a way that's easier for you to listen. If I'm sharing things in such a way that make you defensive, I'm not helping you as a spouse, Just as we need to listen in a way that helps our spouse to share, we also need to learn how to share things in a way that makes our spouse listen easier. And here's a few things for us to think about. Um, First one is to be courteous. Think about that for a second. Just think of basic courtesy, basic politeness, basic please and thank you. Isn't it easy to take your spouse for granted? Absolutely. So if we just learn how to be polite And ask nicely and say, thank you. My gosh, that's a huge part of connecting is that you were treating each other with a sense of love and respect. So be courteous in how you treat each other. Be thoughtful uh, and respectful that way. Um, Secondly is to be forthright. In other words, to be direct, um, to be straightforward, to be honest, ask for what you want from your spouse. You know, if you know that you want some time to unpack something, say, hey, it would really help me if you could just listen to me right now. I don't need you to fix anything, I just need you to listen. When Janet says that to me, I kind of turn off the analytical brain and just say, okay, I need to start learning how to empathize better. So learn to ask for what you want. And the thing that you've got to remember, guys, it's unfair for you to think, well, if they just love me, they would know what I'm feeling. No, 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 no. We have words that we have to use. We have words that we have to say. If we expect our spouse to draw that out of them, that's not treating them with respect. We're making them do all the work. I remember when our son was little, we were having a waffle sandwich competition uh, where we'd take the Eggo waffles, you know, you put them in the toaster, and we'd try to stack as many as we could to see uh, how big of a sandwich we could make. So we're making the Eggo waffles, the syrup, the butter, the whole thing, get this big stack, and we're just chowing down these. You gotta stand over the plate because it dripped, it's just dripping everywhere. And so we're having this great competition, and I said, Jack, what are you thinking? And there's nothing. I go, me neither. You know, it's like, <laughs> there's nothing in my head right now, you know? But there'll be some times where I'll say, Janet, what do you think? she'll go, nothing. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Because that nothing, mm, that's something. You know, a, it's like sometimes she'll say nothing, and it's like a rattlesnake. <laughs> you know, oh, something wrong <laughs> But I need her to talk to me. God. I I'm need her better. To express <laughs> herself. So we you're in the speaker, do that. Thirdly, is to be calm. And this is so hard for me. I don't like, I, when I get angry, I just go. this is where we say, God, will you help me stay calm? Will you help me just listen? Will you help me just hear what they're saying? There'll be a chance for me to share what I think, but don't interrupt and get out of hand. Be calm, slow down and, and listen and lean in. This is where we don't do name calling. This is where we don't get violent. This is where we don't be verbally abusive. And if we have issues like that, we seek help for that. But the third thing that really helps um, for the speaker um, is when we do the, we, we're staying calm. Third one is uh, be let vulnerable. Me, yeah, go Let ahead. me just
1: share with the whole idea of just being calm and, and not losing it. One of the words we decided we would never use in our marriage was the word divorce. Hmm. We would never throw out the idea that this is so bad, I'm thinking about divorce. Because it's a threatening word. And it totally is, a, it just blindsides your partner. And so we've just, we've, the D word doesn't get used in our house. We don't name call, we don't yell, and we don't use the word divorce.
0: Yeah. Another thing is being vulnerable. And this is where hard, because when you've been hurt, you don't want to take another risk.
1: Mm -hmm. But
0: if you don't take a risk, you're going to stay hidden and you're going to continue to isolate. You've got to say, God, help me to take another risk, to share an opinion, share a thought, ask for what I want. But we've got to be vulnerable. And lastly, is to be appreciative. You know, when your spouse is spending some time and leaning in and really trying to understand you, show that politeness. Say, you know, thank you for doing the work to listen. Thank you for trying to understand me. We're going to keep getting at this. But man, when you say that to your spouse, it's easier for them to want to keep on listening. So as you look at those five things, what are some ways that you can speak that makes it easier for your spouse to listen? Is there one of those that stand out to you? Well, just to wrap this thing up, we've been trying to just communicate this idea that the goal of our communication is unity. Unity happens in how we talk to each other and how we treat each other, how we process our life. And when we don't process well, it really goes into conflict. And when we process it well, we can get through conflict and stay closer together. Because the, clo- the better we understand each other, the closer that we're going to get Uh, We want to end this a little bit differently tonight. I I want to ask you to listen to something. And what I'm going to do is uh, play this song here in a second. And it's just about a minute. It's Fur Elise by Beethoven. And uh, no dancing, please. But uh, just if you want to close your eyes, but I want you to listen to this. Isn't that nice? Gosh, that is so beautiful. That is so calming. I want to play the same song for you. This was done by our daughter, oldest Lauren, who had been playing the piano for six months. So listen to this. I think that's the end of that clip. Okay, good. What's the difference between those two clips? Practice. Someone said tempo once. Yeah, of course, tempo. We get it. Yeah, we get it. Yes, practice. But you know what else it means? Failure tons and tons of failure, of your hands not cooperating with you, when you don't want to sit down at the piano bench, when you feel like you're absolutely getting nowhere, and you try and you try, and it's not happening. You know what's involved with getting good at something? Failure. And you know what we call it when you try something and you fail, and you try something and you fail, and you try something and fail, and try something and you fail? You know what we call that? It's called learning and guys, you are like Janet and me. You have a lot of learning to do on how to practice unity in the way you treat each other and the way you communicate with each other. And you know what's going to happen tonight and tomorrow and the next few days? Is you're going to fail at it. And Satan's going to want to say, see, it doesn't work. You can't do this. They never... We got to practice. Practice. And the thing is, all of us fight in here. All of us are human. All of us need God's help to get better at this. So if we're going to get better, we're going to practice unity and get closer, we got to work through failure. You're not alone. You're not alone. God will help us. And we're going to talk more about his help tomorrow. But let me pray for us right now, okay? Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for helping us to try to just get a bigger picture of communicating. There's a lot of information out there about how to be better communicators But, Lord, I pray that you will help us to understand tonight, first and foremost, that our spouse bears your image, that our spouse is a brother or sister in Christ, and that we are called, as a brother and sister, as well as a husband and wife, to care for them, to listen to them, to have compassion with them. And, Lord, I know that if we both start treating each other that way, we're going to practice the unity that we both want. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.